0: Welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 22nd of April. This is David, and your other readers this week are Susan, John and Brian. The editor is Mark. All are members of Team 5. Most of our item, news items were taken from the Hemel, Hempstead, Berkhamsted, and Tring Gazette and Express Newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. This week's headlines Flats Plan, Council to pay £6,400, and Storm Squeeze Through to Final. These and other stories now follow. Here is the news.
1: Hello, this is Susan. Land once earmarked for a little and offices in Hemel Hempstead could soon feature five to nine storey block of flats. Initial plans to build the supermarket were replaced with a 268 home proposal in Maylands Avenue, Hemel Hempstead, which was turned down in 2019. But at a decorum development management committee meeting on Thursday, April the 13th, councillors agreed the new scheme for 234 flats complied with national planning rules. Council staff will now be able to make a final decision on the application with a view to approval. In a debate about the plans, councillor Terry Doris, Conservative for Ashridge, said the building will lack charisma. He said lots of developers in Hemel Hempstead are using light-coloured bricks This building doesn't offer charisma in its out-facing imagery. Councillor Doris said, Although the Development Planning Committee may be unable to influence the materials at such a late stage, he made a plea for future plans to be more charismatic in future. A council officer confirmed Decorum Borough Council discussed using pale buff brickwork with the developer in the pre-application phase. The land was initially set aside for employment use in the 1991-2011 Decorum Local Plan, which has not yet been updated. <coughs> Plans for a supermarket and offices were refused in 2015 and another employment space proposal has not come forward since. A scheme for 268 homes emerged But a panel ruled the development would amount to overdevelopment with a lack of parking and amenity space. Councillor Ron Tyndall, Liberal Democrat for Adyfield West, questioned whether it's appropriate to use employment land for housing at a time when there are proposals to build at least 11,000 new homes by 2050 in the town.
2: This is John continuing. A council report sets out a marketing assessment identified an oversupply and lack of demand for office space in the Maylands area. This is a result of its distance from the railway station and the fact that the site is divided into two plots. Councillors Doris and Tyndall added the entrance to Undercroft parking garages should feature traffic lights amid congestion fears at the A4147. Maylands Avenue and A414 Breakspear Way roundabout, the committee agreed to give council planning staff the power to rule on the planning application, taking into account councillors' traffic concerns, as well as the need to secure funding for environmental improvements. In addition to the 234 one- and two-bed flats, the scheme will also feature 1486.5 square metres of commercial space. A developer statement promises the comprehensive regeneration of a vacant brownfield site, a development built to the highest environmental standards. It adds the scheme will be a bespoke design providing a high quality gateway building for the entrance to Mayfields Avenue, with new public realm areas helping to create attractive public spaces and external areas. Since the 2015 application was refused, Lidl has found an alternative site in Hemel Hempstead near the German Centre.
3: Hello, this is Brian. Hertfordshire County Council has been directed to pay out £6,400 after a child with special education needs was left without a school place for almost a year. According to a report published by the local government and social care ombudsman, a place at a special education needs and disabilities school was requested for the child in January 2022 after the family returned to the UK from abroad. The mother was told that in order to be considered for a place at a SEND school, the child would need an education, health and care plan. Initially the application for an EHCP was dismissed by the County Council after nine weeks, three weeks after the statutory time limit. Following new evidence, the application was successful stating that the child needed a specialist setting that caters for children with moderate learning difficulties. But the ombudsman found it wasn't completed quickly enough, failing eight weeks outside the 20-week deadline. The ombudsman directed the council to apologise to the child's mum and to pay her £400. The Ombudsman found that the council should have put in place alternative educational provision for the child from February 22 onwards. And allowing for school holidays, the Ombudsman directed the council to pay the family 600 pounds per month for the impact of a loss of 42 weeks of education, resulting in a further payment of 6,000 pounds. A spokesperson for the county council said, We take the local government and social care ombudsman's findings very seriously, and where they find we have been at fault, we work hard to understand why that has happened, how we can put it right, and how we can prevent it happening again. The council said in a statement, We would like to apologise to the family involved in this case, We are committed to working in partnership with young people, parents, carers and schools to ensure that all children with SEND and EHCPs in Hertfordshire receive the support they need and deserve. They added that the number of children being identified who may require SEND support continues to increase, raising challenges both nationally and in Hertfordshire and that the County Council is making new investments into the sent system.
0: A motorist has been reported in Tring for driving a tractor, deemed to be dangerous by the police. On Wednesday, April the 12th, a tractor was stopped by roads policing officers as it was deemed to be towing an insecure load. Officers noted further issues with the trailer attached to the tractor on closer inspection. It was old and had what was described as an incredibly worn tyre. A spokesman for the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Barfordshire Road Policing Unit said, The trailer attached to this tractor was carrying an insecure load, was in a dangerous condition due to its age and had an incredibly badly worn tyre. Driver reported for each offence.
1: The low employment rate for learning disabled in Hertfordshire has been highlighted in a council meeting and there'll be a meeting of minds soon to tackle the issue. Councillors have put the spotlight on the very small number of people with learning disabilities who are in paid employment in Hertfordshire. Data presented to councillors on Wednesday last week, April 12th, records 2,960 adults as receiving a long-term county council service, primarily because of a learning disability. Yet just 189, that's 6.4%, are reported to be in paid employment. And for most, that employment is just for a few hours a week. Director of Adult Care Services, Chris Badger, highlighted the issue at a meeting of the County Council's Adult Care, Health and Wellbeing Cabinet Panel. And he revealed that later this month, health and social care chiefs from across the county would look at how councils, health organisations and businesses could improve access to employment. At the meeting, Liberal Democrat councillor Ron Tyndall also highlighted the value of voluntary work and study as well as other forms of occupation or activity. In response, Mr Badger acknowledged that if voluntary employment was also included, the figure would increase to 13.2%. And he acknowledged that voluntary work could be a stepping stone to paid employment. However, Conservative councillor Leslie Greensmith also highlighted the value of some form of payment and the sense of independence it could give. Data presented to councillors showed a wide variation in the employment rates of adults with learning disabilities across the country, with Gloucestershire reported to be 1% and Surrey 12.7%. For the year 2022-23, Hertfordshire County Council set a target of 8% of adults with a learning disability to be in paid employment but it has yet to reach it. At the meeting commentary attached to the data pointed to the strong link between employment and enhanced quality of life.
2: Holiday food vouchers for children living in some of the poorest families in Decorum and huts look set to continue until next year as part of a 12.3 million package of proposals drawn up by the County Council. As part of the proposals, supermarket food vouchers would be made available to families with children eligible for benefit-related free school meals. And that would mean 165 vouchers per eligible household, payable in instalments at Easter, summer, Christmas and half term holidays until February 2024 with an estimated cost of 5.6 million pounds the vouchers first introduced in the county during the covid pandemic are at the heart of a wide ranging proposals designed to support the most vulnerable in the county as the cost of living crisis continues Also included in the proposals is £1.5 million to support unpaid carers on low incomes, £1.2 million to support low-income homes in crisis, whether that's with food, energy or white goods, and £1.1 million for food banks and energy support. There are also plans to offer support to those who are homeless, pensioners, or who who have learning difficulties or disabilities. And there could also be funding available to increase capacity at the County Council's Money Advice Unit and Citizens Advice, as well as signposting those who are just about managing to available support. On Wednesday last week, that's 12th of April, the plans were unanimously backed by a joint meeting of the Adult, Care, Health and Wellbeing Cabinet Panel and the Children, Young People and Families Cabinet Panel.
3: However, there were concerns expressed at what would happen next year, 2024-25, if the government did not make similar funding available. Executive Member for Adult Care, Health and Wellbeing, Councillor Tony Kingsbury, said this was significant funding for some important schemes. Meanwhile, Executive Member for Children, Young People and Families, Councillor Fiona Thompson, said the government funding was incredibly welcome and she said the council's very well-thought-out spending plan would target support at the most vulnerable residents. Labour's councillor Nigel Bell said he welcomed the extra government money and the council's plan to allocate in excess of £5 million of it to holiday food vouchers. Labour colleague Baroness councillor Sharon Taylor said the funding was welcome and praised the detailed and thoughtful work by council officers. But she said that it was another bout of sticking plaster politics, pointing to the impact of the government's austerity program, cuts to local government, and other funding over the last few years. And she echoed concerns about what would happen if the government did not make similar funding available next year. Liberal Democrat councillor Ron Tindall suggests that if the government did let us down and not make funding available, the council look at what it could do. In addition to the allocation from the government, the county council and health chiefs have allocated a further 1.923 million pounds for further cost of living support measures. This funding has already been earmarked for measures that include support for the Hertfordshire Warm Spaces Program Hearts help, citizens advice, and the money advice unit.
0: Emergency services rushed to a home in Berkhamsted that was hit by lightning on Wednesday last week, April the 12th. Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service was contacted by concerned residents at 3.45 p.m. after a large cracking sound was heard in a Hertfordshire neighborhood. A home in Dorian's Croft was damaged by a lightning strike. Some of the tiles in its roof were destroyed in the blast, leaving a hole at the top of the building. One fire engine from Berkhamsted Fire Station was sent to the scene. A spokesman for the fire service told the Hemel-Hempstead Gazette, Firefighters checked the roof and loft space for any signs of fire before securing the hole to prevent any further damage from the weather. Crews remained at the scene to provide care until an ambulance arrived to check on the resident. One concerned resident who lives nearby told this newspaper, the crack was so loud a lot of people would be worried. When lightning strikes a building, you are advised to call the fire service as the electricity from the strike will take different paths through the structure to reach the ground. As it passes through the building, there is a chance that it can cause hot spots and potentially fires.
1: The countdown to the biggest event of the year is well underway, and it's likely that we will hear nothing else in the coming weeks. I'm of course talking about the coronation rather than Eurovision. The supermarkets have started displaying everything anybody could need for yet another street party, including, and I'm not kidding, special edition chicken sausages, mayonnaise, chicken crisps, lemon mint crisps, a giant cookie, and more booze than you can shake a bejewelled staff at. I'm not sure whether King Charles or Queen Camilla, for that matter, are fans of chocolate tray bakes, but that's what many will be tucking into during the extra bank holiday weekend next month. Memorabilia such as tins, tea towels, mugs, plates and even teddy bears have been filling shelves, warehouses and lockups for months. And it's likely that many of us will shell out for a keepsake of the first coronation that the vast majority of us will have lived through. Media coverage of the May the 6th ceremony has been ramping up for months. But if you're sick of it already, then I'd suggest you look to find a cave or anywhere that doesn't have television or broadband to stay in because you ain't seen nothing yet. Last year's Platinum Jubilee festivities are likely to be put in the shade by celebrations that will include 6,000 armed forces personnel marching through London, a series of flypasts, and large crowds gathering in front of the nearly 60 big screens across the country. Despite the seemingly never-ending nonsense surrounding the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, the royal family doesn't appear to remain, does appear to remain popular among the public, and as long as there is approval from the masses, then there'll be a monarchy. No amount of angry protests or social media posts from the usual suspects will change that. The British are world-beaters when it comes to pomp and ceremony, and the coronation promises to be a spectacle which will be long remembered by the billions around the world who tune in to watch it.
2: Batches of a life-saving nasal spray are being made available to police officers in decorum to help assist people who may be suffering from a suspected drug overdose. Hertfordshire Police had confirmed that the spray that has been trialled for six months will be used force-wide going forward. Hertfordshire Constabulary says during a six-month trial period with the new equipment, three lives have been saved. Frontline officers in Decorum, Stevenage, Watford and Wellin-Hatfield have been using the spray during this time period. Response drivers are trained to use Naxalone spray on those suffering from a suspected opiate overdose by temporarily reversing the effects of the drug. Decorum Chief Inspector Jason Keane who is overseeing the project, said, Naxalone is literally saving people's lives up and down the country and here in hearts. Officers have saved three lives during our initial six month pilot, which is fantastic. These small, easy to administer nasal sprays are just another tool in our trauma kit, which can mean the difference between life and death. The spray, which buys vital time before paramedics arrive on the scene, cannot cause any harm, even if it later transpires that the person was suffering from another medical condition. Initially, we trained 100 response drivers from our intervention, Safer Neighborhood and Scorpion teams. Now we are rolling out that training to response drivers across the entire constabulary, which means we'll be equipped to save more lives. Naxalone only provides a temporary impact, so further medical treatment is still required. County Services Manager at Spectrum CGL, Trudy Seeley, said, This grand... Breaking project has already saved three lives. We are working proactively to raise awareness around opiate overdoses, which has resulted in police officers now carrying nasal Naxalone. This pilot and rollout is a huge step forward in preventing opiate deaths and has already made a difference to the communities we serve and together we will strive to continue to save lives. Two of the three life-saving inventions in interventions involving the use of Naxalone took place in Hem- Hempstead.
3: A Berkhamsted woman who was offering tarot taster sessions to raise money for comic relief had the ace card over COVID as she completed her charity efforts. After fundraising for comic relief since the first ever red nose day, Naomi Stevens was devastated when she had to cancel three of the Taster Tarot sessions she had arranged in decorum for the twenty twenty two event back in March. But she vowed not to let it beat her and rearranged the event to raise nearly four hundred pounds for charity. I've paid in all the money I've raised for Red Nose Day twenty twenty two, Naomi said, adding this is the amount which has been paid on my behalf into their just giving page. The total raised is three hundred and seventy-eight pounds and eighty-one pence. I'd like to thank Jules at the Goat Pub for hosting my event on March the fourth and Simon at the George on the 9th of March, and the rescheduled event at the George and Dragon on the 30th of March. Thanks also to Claude at Margot's at the Old Mill on the 31st of March, and finally Joan at Bell Cafe on the 3rd of April. Special thanks to Simon, Claude and Joan for understanding, allowing me to continue my fundraising after the main Red Nose Day on the 17th of March. I didn't let COVID beat me. I might have raised more if it had been struck down with a Lurgy as I was in the process of trying to get more venues involved. But I'm feeling pleased with myself, and that's a decent total.
0: The sun shone, the ukulele Musos strummed their hearts out, raising money for UNICEF earthquake appeal, and locals responded by singing along and opening their wallets to the tune of £709.56 pence. for UNICEF organiser, Sue Parsons said, Berkhamsted ukulele random players, that's B-U-R-P or burp, would like to thank all our fellow players in uke Rhythmics, Katie's Jumping Fleas and Old Packers for their untiring enthusiasm and talent, as well as those who acted as collectors and, of course, everyone who dug deep for this desperate cause. It was a glorious day on Saturday, April the 8th, when we gathered for the big busk on Birken Street High Street in aid of the appeal. The money has now been sent to UNICEF to help them support children whose lives have been affected by the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. A similar event in St Albans raised £800. Pounds. For 10 years, BURP supported the charity with an annual festival Which culminated in the online event in 2021. Last year they had two big busks for UNICEF's Ukraine appeal and raised more than £7,700. The four ukulele groups have a combined membership of about 35. They play mainly for pressure but also fundraise by giving concerts at care homes and in a variety of clubs and private functions. Rhythmix belong to Decorum U3A Ukulele Group, which meets at Hamill Grove Hill Community Centre. More details on the Decorum U3A website. BURP meets at the Three Horseshoes in Winkwell. More details on the website. If you'd like to donate to Ux for UNICEF, visit www.justgiving.com slash fundraising slash soup... Parsons Nine.
1: There are more v- outdoor volunteering roles to get involved with in decorum as the weather warms up. As the weather is hopefully warming up and the sunny days are increasing, so too are the outdoor volunteering roles. If you're an outdoors type or want to take advantage of the improving weather after the long winter, Have a look through our dozens of outdoor volunteer roles that can help you get some fresh air in your lungs and blow the cobwebs away. Door to store helps those with poor mobility get out and about, do their shopping, have a cuppa and a chat, combating isolation and making sure they have enough food in the house. This volunteering involves helping some of the service users on and off the minibus walking around the supermarket with them and, of course, having a cup of tea and a chat before getting back on the bus to head home. Waterways Experiences, another great outdoor charity, offers canal boat rides in specially adapted narrowboats up and down the Grand Union Canal through Hemel Hempstead from their wharf in Nash Mills. If you are interested in volunteering with waterways experiences or if you'd like to find out what other volunteering opportunities there are in the area, get in touch with the volunteer center today. You can call us on 247-209 or contact us by email. You can also pop in to see us at the Roundhouse, the round building outside Boots in Hemeltown Centre. We're open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're not based in Hemel, we also have outreach sessions in Tring on the first Friday of the month and in Berkhamsted on the second Tuesday of the month.
2: Two art competition winners from Hemel schools enjoyed a trip to Northwood Military Headquarters. Poppy from Lime Walk School in Hemel was the year 4 category winner, while Lizzie, from Chambersbury Primary School in the town, was the year 6 winner. The children and their families spent the day rock climbing and taking part in team sports whilst also learning about the camouflage and how to build shelters and fires. The other youngsters who won the 2022 Hertfordshire Heroes Christmas art competition were Keiki from de Havilland School, Year 3, and Mason from Countess and School, Year 5. More than 700 children from 29 schools entered the contest aimed at creating artwork for military personnel serving away from their loved ones at Christmas. It is organised annually by Hertfordshire County Council. Deputy Chief Executive Scott Crudgington said, The Day of Adventure recognises the great collaboration between the council and Northwood headquarters and serves as an engaging way for the children and their families to learn more about the armed forces based here in Hertfordshire. He added, It's an example of the work the Hertfordshire Armed Forces Covenant does to bring organisations together to ensure that the county remains a welcoming place for our military personnel. The Armed Forces Covenant is a promise by the nation to ensure that armed forces and their families are treated fairly. Harts County Council has been a member of the AFC Board since its inception in 2012.
3: An article about grief from the Marie Curie organization. Grief affects us all at one time or another in our lives, whether it be due to the death of a loved one or some other form of loss. It is a normal emotion we feel as a response to loss, says Claire Collins, bereavement coordinator with Marie Curie. Throughout our lives, we experience many different types of loss, such as relationship breakdowns, redundancy, financial health, and the death of a loved one. These losses can often lead to a further series of losses. So what are the common symptoms of grief? Many symptoms of grief can be expressed after the loss of a loved one, says Claire. The emotional responses include shock, numbness, denial, Isolation, loneliness, sadness, anger, despair, emptiness, helplessness, fear, and anxiety. We cannot see these emotions, but there may be more obvious physical symptoms, such as disturbed sleep, sleeping more, or an inability to sleep, loss of appetite, tearfulness, lethargy, panic attacks increased susceptibility to colds and illness. These responses to loss are normal and do not last forever. Our social context can also be affected, as social circles may change, finances and housing may be impacted by the loss. Spiritually, we may experience a crisis in faith or a struggle to find meaning, both a meaning in life and a meaning in death. Or does everyone experience grief in the same way? No is the answer, says Claire. Grief is completely unique to each individual. Everyone grieves differently, even within one family or a couple, a fact which can have an impact on relationships. There is no right way or wrong way to grieve, no set pattern and no set time frame. If symptoms change as we learn to live without the person we, who has died, Sometimes grief can be complicated due to historical losses, difficult relationships with the deceased or the circumstances of the death. For example, sudden death, death after a long illness, suicide or murder. Migration and leaving behind our country of origin can also involve the losses of family and friends, history and cultural heritage, and this can also impact on our grieving process.
0: What are the common stages of grief? Much has been written about the stages or tasks of grief by researchers such as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Colin Murray-Parks, and J. William Warden, says Claire. They speak about how the loss of a loved one is often followed by feelings of shock, denial, and numbness, which can move into an acceptance of the loss as we get back into life's daily activities such as work, social circles and meeting new people. Life gradually becomes fuller and we're able to think fondly about our loved ones without becoming overwhelmed by grief. What are the common misconceptions about grief? People sometimes feel that the bereaved should be over it or moving on after a few weeks or months. But there is no set time for grieving, says Claire. There is no magic wand that can take the pain away. It takes time and we can feel as if we are literally going mad with grief. This is normal. People experience grief in their own unique way, adults and children, men and women. And it's also important that we acknowledge everyone's grief, including people with learning disabilities or sufferers from dementia. Further information is available from the Palliative Care of People with Learning Disabilities Network at www.pcpld.org Have your tips for someone experiencing grief. When you're experiencing a bereavement, it's important that you look after yourself and eat regularly, says Claire. Try to get out and take some physical exercise if you can. Also, try to make some space and time for yourself and remember your loved one. Plus, remember grieving is normal. Give yourself time as your grief will change. If you are struggling to cope with your feelings, seek further help. Talk to your GP or friends and family who could find assistance for you if needed. What are the main differences between grief and depression? The symptoms of grief mentioned above may be similar to those of depression, says Claire. However, depression usually results in a more constant state, whereas grieving is triggered by memories or reminders of a loved one. There are good days and bad days when we are grieving, and eventually these bad days can become bad moments.
1: Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on, and any more news.
2: Chicago and the birth of the skyscraper is the theme of the next Hemel Hempstead Probus Club meeting. It has been announced. The town's Probus Club will hold its next meeting on Thursday, April the 20th, at the usual venue of the Boxmore Playhouse at 72 St. John's Road, Hemel Hempstead, HP 11NP. I'll read that again. HP 1, 1NP. On this occasion, Adam Smith will give a talk entitled Chicago and the Birth of the Skyscraper. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, a combination of wealth and architectural innovation led to the creation of some of the first skyscrapers. Chicago is considered to be the birthplace of the skyscraper because it was home of the Home Insurance Building completed in 1885, the world's first steel-framed skyscraper. In his talk, Adam will look at Chicago's role in the story. Doors will open at 10 a.m with coffee served, and the meeting will start at 10.30am and finish at around noon. The next outing is a return coach from Hemel Hempstead to the Kennett and Avon Canal. This will feature a horse-drawn barge trip with an inclusive ploughman's lunch. The outing will take place on Wednesday, May the 31st, and further details can be found on the Hemel Hempstead Probus Club's official website, backslash. Anyone is welcome to attend the monthly meetings and outings, whether as a member or as a guest. To find out more information about the group's events, visit visit the website or contact Bill on 07860 241
3: 300. A steep and stunning north-facing slope featuring a profusion of plants on many levels will be open to the public on April 30th as part of the National Garden Scheme. Patchwork at Hall Park Gate has been planted to provide colour, scent and form throughout the year with a varied backcloth of trees. It is, more, it is one of more than three and a half thousand unique private gardens opening for charity as part of the National Garden Scheme, which raises millions each year for good causes. Owners Jean and Peter Block have welcomed more than 6,000 visitors during the 22 years they've been opening their garden biannually for the scheme. There are breathtaking views from the garden, offering a feast of colour for the eyes, including an abundance of tulips and narcissi, as well as azaleas, heathers and other flowering shrubs. Last year, the NGS raised £3.1 million with the main beneficiaries being Marie Curie, Macmillan Cancer Support, Hospice UK, the Queen's Nursing Institute, Carers Trust, and Parkinson's UK. The organization has a rich and interesting history with humble beginnings in the early 1900s when an enlightened member of the Queen's Nursing Institute suggested raising money for district nursing through the nation's obsession with gardening. The NGS was formed in 1927, with landowners being asked to open their gardens for a shilling a head. A total of 8,191 pounds was raised from the 609 participating gardens. The rest is history, with a whopping 63 million pounds being, being donated in the intervening years. Patchwork at 22 Hall Park Gate, Berkhamstead, HP4-2NJ will be open from 2pm to 5pm on Sunday, April 30th.
0: The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Jean Forbes Harris, aged 88 years Norma Joan Moore, aged 97 years, and Doreen Stockthor, aged 88 years. May they all rest in peace.
1: And now to some what's on. Opera, Welsh National Opera, The Magic Flute and Blaze of Glory, Milton Keynes Theatre, April the 19th to the 22nd. One of the great classic operas and a modern favourite are coming to Milton Keynes courtesy of Welsh National Opera. The Magic Flute is an opera for all ages, set in a world of fantasy with vibrant sets and costumes, accompanied by Mozart's sublime music and a witty story. And set in a 1950s Welsh Valleys community, blaze of glory, follows the fortunes of a small group of miners who embark upon a musical escapade by reforming their male voice choir to raise spirits following a mining disaster. Visit atgtickets.com to book. Family. Twirly Woo's Watford Palace Theatre, April the 21st to 23rd. Join Great Big Who, Toodloo, Chickadee Chick and their friends as they discover the wonderful world. Expect mischief, music and plenty of surprises as they set sail in their big red boat. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book. Comedy. Barnstormer's Comedy, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, April the 20th. The popular stand-up night returns with a line-up featuring Otis Canaloni, Kate Lucas and Chris Stokes. Compare for the show is Kevin McCarthy. The show is suitable for ages 18 and above. Visit GroveTheatre.co.uk to book.
2: Theatre. Dr. Doolittle, David Evans Court Theatre, Train, April the 18th to the 22nd. Berkhamsted Theatre Company presents the magical, marvellous and miraculous world of Dr John Doolittle. Families are invited to join him on a perilous voyage to distant islands, discovering the great pink sea snail and flying through the skies on a giant lunar moth. With a story telling of a case of mistaken murder and crimes against creatures, the show promises to take audiences on a mystical journey on which the Doctor tries to understand the animals and save his own neck. Leslie Bricusse's musical features the much-loved songs I've Never Seen Anything Like It and Talk to the Animals. Dr Doolittle, played by Terry Cavender, is pictured on a visit to Whipsnate Zoo Visit courttheatre.co.uk to book or for more information and more comedy. Emmanuel Sonnerby emancipated Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, April the 22nd. Having gone from open spot to closing BBC's Live at the Apollo in a remarkable short space of time, Big things are are predicted from Emmanuel in the coming years. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book.
3: Tony Waterton celebrated his and his wife Sonia's 70th wedding anniversary at the start of the month. Both of them live at facilities run by the kind Care Company, which has homes across the south of England. Unfortunately, they live apart due to Sonia needing nursing care and Tony needing residential care. But Tony regularly visits his wife in her care home, St. Christopher's in Hatfield, with his daughter, Anne, and son-in-law, Stephen. Tony and Sonia got married on the 4th of April, 1953, at St. John's Church in Boxmoor. So this year, they are happily celebrating their platinum wedding anniversary. Tony and Sonia have lived apart for just over a year now, with Tony living at the lodge in Hempstead, in a residential care home, whereas Sonia is living in a nursing home, St. Christopher's in Hatfield. Sonia is registered blind, but she still knows who Tony is. She always has a smile on her face when he goes to see her and an even bigger one when he went to celebrate their wedding anniversary. Tony had made a moon pink, moon pig card with a lovely photo from their wedding day, which he chose himself. He also presented Sonia with a lovely bunch of flowers and a bottle of Prosecco. They celebrated their day with cake, Prosecco, and a cushion bought for them by their daughter, Anne, and son-in-law, Stephen. When Tony was asked what the secret of a happy marriage is, he replied, always do as you're told, with a big smile on his face.
0: This week in history. April the 19th, 1956, Prince Renier III of Monaco married actress Grace Kelly. On this day last year, Chinese pianist Lang Lang announced he would donate hundreds of keyboards to British schools to help bring music to children in disadvantaged communities. April 20th, 1972, Apollo 16 landed on the moon. April 21st, 1945, Ivor Novello's Perchance to Dream opened at the London Hippodrome with his now classic song, We'll Gather Lilacs. The show ran for 1,022 performances. On this day last year, the Queen's 96th birthday was marked with the release of a picture showing her indulging her passion for horses and ponies. April 22, 1969, yachtsman Robin Knox Johnson sailed into Falmouth to complete his 312-day non-stop round-the-world voyage. April 23rd, 1968, the first decimal coins appeared in Britain. They were the 5p and 10p pieces, which replaced the old 1 shilling and 2 shilling coins. On this day last year, nature lovers were urged to enjoy the fleeting seasonal spectacle of spring blossom to help boost their well being. And on April the 24th, 1950, President Truman denied that there were communists in the US government.
1: Sheffield's Crucible Theater will be a hotbed of Green Bay's action for the 47th consecutive year, as the nation goes snooker loopy until May the 1st at the 2023 World Snooker Championship. Defending champion Ronnie O'Sullivan, making a bid for an eighth Crucible title win Starts against Chinese debutant Pang Junju. It's top seeds against lower-ranked players all the way, with some mouth-watering games. Number two seed and four-time world champion Mark Selby faces one of the trickiest clashes as he takes on the 2019 Indian Open champion Matthew Selt. Judd Trump winner of the World Championship in 2019, will start his match against 2020 Crucible semi-finalist Anthony McGill. Player of the season so far, Mark Allen and in-form Sean Murphy, have intriguing first-round clashes against Chinese debutants. Allen has been pitted against Fan Zenji, while Murphy plays Si Jiao Hu and Neil Robertson takes on Wu Yize. Top 16 seeds have been pitted against 16 qualifiers who battled through qualifying stages at English Institute of Sport over recent days. Total championship prize money in 2023 is £2,395,000, which includes £500,000 for the outright winner. The tournament was first held in 1927, won by legendary snooker champion Joe Davis. The championship is one of three tournaments, alongside the Masters and UK Championship, making up the sports Triple Crown series. Reigning champion Ronnie O'Sullivan defeated 2019 winner Judd Trump in last year's final. By 18 frames to 13.
2: Rocket Ronnie O'Sullivan, an off the table fact file. He has co authored three crime novels with Evelyn Rees and a health and fitness book. He's friends and paints with British art's so called Enfant Terrible. Damien Hurst. He's a TV star with his own The Ronnie O'Sullivan Show. He co-presented with sports pundit Matt Smith, Sky History Show, Ronnie O'Sullivan's American Hustle, travelling across the US to cover pool hustling scene. He's written recipes that have been published in The Times. His cookery book Toppy for Game was published in 2019 to critical acclaim. He cooks with only one hand revealed on ITV's this morning when he created chicken curry. Although right-handed he can play snooker left-handed to the highest standard alternating hands
3: as required. Hemel Storm basketball team are into the playoff final after surviving Reading Rockets fight back to win 89-86 at a sold-out Storm Dome. The first quarter started with Storm in the ascendancy, taking an early 11-4 lead. Rockets responded well, but Hakim Silya's aerial threat aided Storm's progress and they led 29-16 at the end of the first quarter. The Rockets started the second quarter exceptionally, going on a 0-12 run before Storm could get a point on the board for the quarter. In this period, coach Spinks was forced into a timeout to refocus the minds of the Storm players. The response was much better from Storm, who were able to retake the lead and begin to express their dominance, taking a 52-51 lead going into the halftime break. The fourth quarter was the biggest of the season for both teams, who were able to stay within reach of a place in the final. Impressive hustle and desire from Charles Aqua Davis gave Storm the lead, much to the delight of the vociferous crowd. Storm took an eight-point lead with 5.15 left, forcing a timeout from coach Nozade. Within a minute, the lead was decreased back to two, Swinging the momentum in Redding's favour. However, a turnover from Reading saw Sam Newman dunk the ball home and with a seconds left, a three-point lead in possession in Storm's favour. It looked like Redding were going to foul to put Ray on the free throw line. He spilled the ball out of bounds, giving Redding a last possession. As the game clock expired... A three-pointer from Jenkins hit the rim and was rebounded by Ray. This gave Storm an 89-86 to victory, continuing their quest to give a whole se- go a whole season unbeaten. Storm now faced Worthing Thunder in the final on Sunday the 23rd at 3.30pm at the National Basketball Performance Centre in Manchester.
0: And now football. Champions Birkenhead went 17 points clear in the SPL Division One Central on Saturday with a 5-0 win over relegation-threatened Highworth. In their final home game of the season, Brad Watkins put Burko a goal up at the break before four more goals in the second half secured the points. Jonathan Lacey with two and Adam Watkins and Josh Chamberlain won each. Burco now go to AFC Dunstable on Thursday night before ending their campaign with a trip to Walthamstow on Saturday. Hemel Hempstead Town, meanwhile, was soundly beaten 3-0 at Eastbourne Borough on Saturday. The Tudors sit in 12th place in the National League South, with a playoff place now firmly out of the reach, as they lie 10 points behind seventh place Worthing, with two games to play the first at home to Cheltenham on Saturday.
1: We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 0553 and 2007. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhammel.org. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. As a reminder, on Sunday, April the 23rd at 3pm, there will be a national test of the UK Emergency Alerts Service. Your mobile phone or tablet will receive the test alert. For further information, check the government website, gov.uk. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor, and Martin, your technician for this week.